0: are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. After these things, Jesus, Went over. And by suggestion, I'd like to say after these things, you and I are going over too. Just remember, after we get through playing with these things down here, we've got to go over. And it sure will be different when we get to the other side. The things of this earth will go strangely dim as we walk into the presence of his glory and grace. I'll tell you the trifles that we wrestle over, fight over, live for and die for down here, they're going to long since have been forgotten when we cross the great divide and stand before him. I'm amazed that grown men and women could be so enamored and so in love with the tinker toys of life just little grown-up children and yet not grown-up. The average person lives a lifetime gaining what he cannot keep. And in his gaining what he cannot keep, he loses the only thing worth keeping. Can you imagine the foolishness and the stupidity of human beings that do not gain great spiritual truths in their minds? Now, folks, dead in earnest I am tonight, and I've got to help you. And you've got to let me help you, every last one of you. I don't care how old you are, you need help tonight. I don't care how young you are, you ought to just read the mail that came. I mean, that was I got a letter today from an old saint of God. She's uh, 80. Her husband is 90. I flew by to see him a week ago today. It was raining. And I landed in a little town called Liberty, Texas, on a sod field. And uh, we were well loaded, had fruit and all the rest. And I, I, the man's loved one met me at the airport, and I wanted to see this old gentleman that I hadn't seen in a long while. And he's been interested in the work. I visited him in his home. His children eased him off to a a, a rest home. The man wants for nothing financially, worked hard, one of the hardest working men that you've ever seen. And so, Uh, They took him off, and, dear friend, let me say this. If you ever take your mother or dad to a rest home, I wish you'd explain to them what you're doing. If they have to go, especially if their mind is still good. This old man called for me. I went to the hospital where he was. He said, uh, my family took me to look at a rest home. And he said, I was looking around. The rooms were beautiful and nice. And he said, I, and all of a sudden I was in a room and I said, where did my loved one go? And he said, oh, he's gone home. Well, he said, uh, you mean I'm not going with you? Well, he said, no, they brought you here and left you. They brought your things in. And they're up in the office. And that old man, nearly 90 years old, went berserk. His mind Listen. He started wading out of that rest home, knocked one or two people down, and he said, I'd never dreamed that my own loved one would do me like that. And he said, Preacher, you've never known. At the end of the trail I stand, they walked out and left me. I never would have done them like that when they were little babies in my home. But I went by to see him. They said, I oh, doubt if he'll know you. Ninety some odd years old. I walked up to his room, and there, just about this far out of eternity, I'm telling you, really, I've never seen a sweeter smile on an old man's face in my life than I saw. Why, it just lit up. I mean, we've been buddies and brothers through many, many years. I've driven down through East Texas and many a time and up that little old trail to their simple house and out in that beautiful garden that he grew everything. And I've walked and looked and we've sat and talked and prayed. You know, let me just say this. I know this has to do, but this is an investment. He said to me one day, he said, Brother Olaf, I'd like for you to take $10,000 and use it. He said, you can pay me Uh, 5% interest. And uh, he said, uh, If I die, it belongs to the enterprises. That's been why he must have been around 80 at that time. And we've paid him 5% interest. We've sent him $250 every six months. He has already gotten back over half Of his money, and it's come in just on as regular as the clock rolls around. Now, to me, he was a wise old gentleman. He kept it, but he gave it and used it. And it's been used all of these years. I wish I had time to tell you some things, but I'll not go further into it. But listen, as many times as we would prayed together, that old man lit up his face with a big smile, and he said weakly, why? That's Brother Law. And I said, Yes, it is. He said, I wanted to see you one more time. One more time. That old man and I held hands and prayed together one more time. But, dear friends, I want you to know he's got some investment on the other side. Not just because he helped us. No, no. He, that old man's been honest, he's a hard worker. He's a noble citizen of this country. He's a great Christian. He loves God. Oh, his wife said to me, and she's in the wheelchair when she gets out of her bed, the same rest home, and said, I wheel down to his room and visit with him every day. And she said, I'm, I got the letter today from her. She said, that's the last time you'll ever see him down here. But so listen, dear friends, just as sure as I'm standing right here, we'll meet again on the other side. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to do when this thing's all over? That's the thing I've been thinking about this time. What are you going to do? Where are you going from here? Where are you going from here? I mean, what are your plans? You said I don't have any. and you won't go to heaven. I'll guarantee you heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And I don't believe anybody ever wakes up in heaven and says, Whoa! (laughs) Surprise of surprise, here I'm in heaven. Oh, nobody. I'll guarantee you nobody ever goes to heaven accidentally. You'll go there because you planned it and put your trust in Jesus. And Jesus led you all the way. I tell you a lot of these stupid preachers telling people, Well, I think God's lenient and God's good. And I believe God's good too. But I tell you one thing. If he ever left one old rotten, stinking sinner in heaven, he'll ruin all of heaven. <laughs> And I just tell you, now, I like to live by sinners down here, and that's all I've ever lived around, sinners. I mean, I work with them, I walk with them, fly with them, I'm getting boats with them, in cars with them, and that's my business, brother. And I like to be around sinners, but i tell you one thing, there won't be no sinner li- living on either side of me in heaven. All of them will just be saints. I mean, born again, a people, and heaven is going to be the cleanest place you've ever seen. Why, you talk about a wicked city? You take this old Atlanta. Can you imagine what's going on in this city tonight? Can you imagine the gamblers and the liquor drinkers and the taverns and the nightclubs and the cutthroats and all that bunch right here in the city of You know that's so. Oh, wait till you get to heaven. Step on that celestial shore where there'll be no smog, where there'll be no impurities, where there'll be nothing unclean, where there'll be no unkindness where there'll be no hearse wheels to crawl gently down those golden streets. There'll be no grave diggers and no uh, graves on the hillsides of glory. There'll be no hospital with the smell of ether. There'll be no hypodermic. There'll be no dough. There'll be no liquor. There'll be no cigarettes. There'll be nothing except that which is real and sweet and good. I want to go there. And I've already made my plans and trusted Jesus' plan. And it's his responsibility and I set lovingly to get me there. None of my business about going ahead. heaven. People look at me sometimes, and they say, Are you going to heaven? I said, Sure. I said, How are you going to get there? I said, That's none of my business. You say, What do you mean? That's God's business. I turned everything over to him a long time ago. He told me if I'd put my trust in his son, he'd save me and carry me to heaven. He's got me on the way now. I mean, we need to see that. uh, Salvation's by grace. Now then, I want to give you some great lessons in the sixth chapter. If you've heard me preach on the sixth chapter of John before, don't be amazed. I'll preach on it after I get through preaching on tonight. This is one of the great chapters, and I want to give you about six or eight truths that came to me today out of this chapter. I want you to get, first of all, the fifth chapter, verse 39. Verse 39, beginning at 38. You have not his word abiding in you, for whom he has sent him you believe not. You can never have the word of God in you as long as you reject Jesus Christ. And that's what he's saying. Verse 39, search the scriptures. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Everything in the Bible testifies of Jesus Christ. One grand central subject of the the word is Jesus. Now, verse 47. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? Now, what's he talking about? They said, well, we, we like Moses, we prefer Moses. And yet the same crowd in Moses, they won't kill him. You ever notice that? Tradition's a strange thing. But uh, he said, now, if you believe not his writings, you know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, this bunch of stinking modernists today, he said that Genesis 1 and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, he said, if you do not believe these writings, how shall you believe my words? Did you know that Jesus Christ? identified himself with a Pentateuch, and he said, Just as much as my words are true, he said, Even so the words of Moses are true. You know why? Because God gave those words to Moses. And you can just go ahead and take your little scissors of infidelity and clip the myth veins of Bible truth, and you can take your little pen knife of modernism and cut out and carve out some of the word of God, but Jesus said, I want you to know one thing. I believe every word that I gave to Moses and if you don't believe the word of Moses, you wouldn't believe my words. And you hear people say, well, I just don't care about the old Bible. That's the only kind of God. Of course, they're referring to the Old Testament. Brother, I love it all. I love it I I, I just read. I read every line of it. You see the devil. You say, well, I don't know why you have to read all those genealogies. You know... Enoch begot, and Methuselah begot, and beget, and begot, and here they go, you know, them big old long names, and and, uh, the Lord said, it's all mine, read every stick of it. And I want to get the whole Bible every year. I want to take a trip through the whole Bible, and I want to pronounce or try to pronounce every word, and I'll read everything in it, and I've got to where I even read and pronounce Selah every time. I just don't leave nothing out. If you believe not His writing, how shall you believe my words? Now, chapter 6, verse 9, there's a lad here. There's a lad here. Now, that lad had five loaves and two fishes. We'll hasten through this uh, over to the other part of the chapter. Jesus took the five loaves and two fishes that the little lad gave him. Now, this sixth chapter is known as the bread of life chapter. Now, I don't intend to get off very far uh, along this line. Have you ever heard that bread is the staff of life? Have you ever wondered why the devil would corrupt the bread system like he has? Have you ever thought about that? You see, bread represents Jesus. And so, even, even man-made bread has been spoiled and rotten and filled with preservatives. fact is, the bread that you bought, if you bought bread at the grocery store today, the bread that you bought, more than likely, it's against the law to even sell it in Canada because of what they put in Now, Jesus is the water of life. Would you be surprised that the devil has corrupted and poisoned the water? The Holy Spirit is the breath of life. Do you wonder that the devil has polluted the air of our land? Everything that's a type of God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit, the devil has done his best to corrupt and he's done a fair job of doing. But all of be emanated one of these days in the not too distant future. Jesus will come. The, the Lamb, the Lamb. He said, Jesus said uh, that we are to uh, Thy will be done in earth. Well, that's what we're made out of. fact, is that's what Jesus is made out of in earth. What has the devil done to there? Poison. Everything that man has ever done. And listen, everything that the devil has done, he has done through one of God's individuals. And everything that God does, I mean, in the way of evangelization and building the cause of, he uses people to do it. When God got ready to write the Bible, he got a man. When he called preachers, he called some men. Man was the first thing that he ever made in the way of a human being. Well, there's a lad here. So he said about ten or fifteen or twenty thousand. Then he said, uh, gather up the fragments. Verse 12, gather up the fragments. Now we'll skip uh, those verses and come to verse 28 for a question. Then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And you know, Nicodemus had an interest in the works of God, the miracles of God, the miracles of Christ. They said, what must we do? What should we do that we might work the works of God? Now, what is the answer? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. Dear friend, that's exactly where we get in the miraculous business right there. That's where we over, enter over into the supernatural, is when we believe on Jesus Christ, then we're in business with him because he has become our savior. And then what happens? He's to start working through us. Whatever God does is always supernatural or a miracle. What we do is natural, it's carnal, and it cannot please God because he said, "David in the place cannot please God." But you're not in the place. But in the spirit, if so, be the spirit of God dwelling in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, none of his. Now then. The question Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in modern miracles? I mean, yeah, man's performed a lot of them, look like. I mean, man's the most miraculous thing he's ever been. I mean, man just got, he, he got to thinking with some little old batteries and so forth and made a telephone. And now then, you can pick up a receiver here and you can dial one uh, plus the area code uh, plus, uh, you know, uh, the number over there. And uh, all of a sudden, of course, the operator comes in and says, what's your number? And that's the trick about it right there. I mean, that's exactly where Mr. Bell comes in. Now, if they just stay off the line <laughs> and leave us alone, it'd be a lot cheaper for us, wouldn't it? But you know what made them do that? That's money. That's money. That's progress. See? There's no such thing as progress in America unless there's some money attached to it. But, thank God, you can make spiritual progress and be flat busted, but you'll have all you need if you live for God. Now, that's wonderful. Brother Clark said, I'll never leave my children without their needs being supplied. I believe that more than ever it is. This has been the most miraculous week I've ever known in my life. But the Lord promised many months ago that uh, there'd come a time, and this has been it, to be the most miraculous response we've ever had in all of our life. I've never known of anything just like I've seen and I praise the Lord for it. We're living in destitute times with a lot of people, and yet the Lord's arm is not shortened that he cannot save. Neither is his ear that he cannot hear. But when sin comes in and iniquity comes in, it cuts us off from God. And dear friend, I'd like to remind you that you don't have one thing to worry about. I think I said last night, you don't have any more worry, need to worry about your boy being in Vietnam than being in of Georgia. All you need to know is this, is my boy walking in the Word of God? Have I really taught my boy and committed my boy to God? And dear friend, you need not expect your boy to live for Jesus on the battlefield if he would not live for Jesus at home. And the battlefield in Vietnam is a continuation of God's leadership and protection in the life of his children. And we sang a while ago what he's done for others. He'll do for you. I tell you, you remember Homer Rode Haver? That great gospel singer? One night, he was on sentry duty. While in the service. And uh, while... He was not looking. Somebody else walked up. And trained the gun, not on him. I mean, to kill him. I mean, this is it. And Homer rode haver. Under a full moon that night. Started singing. We are thine. Do thou befriend us? Be the guardian of our way. And that gun gently came down. Many years after that, many years after that, they were riding down a stream on a ship, and they said, Mr. Haver. Will you sing that wonderful shepherd song? They called it his shepherd song. Savior, like a shepherd leader. And when he started singing that song and came to the second stanza, a man got up and walked up to him, and as soon as it was through, said, Sir, one night I was on the other side in an army, and you're singing that song, saved Your Life. I can remember when you said we are thine, do thou befriend us, be the guardian of our ways. He said, I couldn't pull that trigger to save my life. And I eased that gun down. Mr. O'Behavis said uh, he reached him around and both of them loved one another because both of them are brothers now in Christ. Tell you, I believe I'll keep on singing. I believe this, the devil hates a singing Christian. If you sing about Jesus, I'll tell you something else, I believe the devil literally loves one of these rock and rollers. I believe he you possess your mind, your soul, your body, everything that's decent about you goes on the altar of hell and sin when you get into that kind of music. What can we do, they said? He said, just believe, just believe on him whom he has sent. Now, look at this. Talk about blind. Verse 31. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus just got through feeding 20,000 of them. And that bunch of blind Pharisees and religious leaders said, Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. And their old stomachs had just been packed with loaves and fishes. You see that? Brother, if you do not believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you wouldn't recognize a miracle if you met it in the road, and if you did, you'd forget it before it turned around and left. Our fathers did eat manna, and they just got through eating uh, right out of the hands of Jesus. Verse 35, And Jesus said to them, I am, or that word I am, I am the bread of life. You know, I mentioned something the other night. That's a precious verse. You know, King said, Am I? He had it turned around, didn't he? You see, when you raise a question about the I am and say, Am I? Then you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Am I? But wait a minute. Uh, We come along and we say, I am my brother's keeper. But the modernist, And the fellow that doesn't love Jesus, he says, Am I my brother's keeper? The Christian comes along and puts the I am like God put it and said, I am. You know what I am is? That's Jesus. And when you're in him, you can say the I am like it ought to be said. I am my brother's keeper. He said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Listen, I want to ask you a question. And you, you listen real carefully. And I'll tell you, what does that verse mean? He said, He that cometh to me shall never hunger, he shall never thirst. You know what it means? Exactly what it says. It just means that if you ever get saved by the grace of God, brother, you've got the satisfying bread in your soul. If you ever drink of the water of life, you'll never thirst again. What Jesus told the woman at the well, four chapters: "What that I shall give thee shall be in thee a well of life springing up into life everlasting. What did he mean when he said in John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what kind everlasting life John five twenty four eternal life and John ten twenty seven twenty eight and twenty nine I I know my sheep and they hear my voice and they follow me and I give them eternal life they shall never perish you know what all that means exactly what he said won't you believe it like that. What do you think the Holy Spirit is doing to do you when he seals you? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's fixing you where the devil couldn't get you. I'll tell you, we've got little old seals, you know, the Enterprise has a seal. We put it on every important document. Take that big old seal, you know, and squeeze it down, and did you know what? Every law enforcement officer in this land will stand behind that seal. I mean, that seal, is, it makes the thing legal. And the state gave us the right many years ago to use a seal and said, Brother, when you seal this thing, it means this is right. Let me tell you something. When I got saved, poor little old stinking, unworthy sinner that I was, the Holy Spirit came along and God said, Let's put the seal on it. Let's seal him up. Think of, man, if it wasn't for the goodness of God, I'd get awful proud, but i just got to get thankful now. Amen? I didn't think do that seal. I couldn't, I couldn't use it. Man, I'm glad he just sealed me up. Now then, let the devil come. I may fall dead in this closet tonight. If I did, the devil could run by, or I could fall dead in the street, or in front of a beard joint. See? And suppose I did. It'd be a bad place to fall dead. I mean, I'd, but anyhow, suppose I did. And suppose somebody came along and said, "Ash, Brother Olaf. He fell dead right there in front of a beer joint. He's dead. Now, I know many of them say, I told you all the time there's something funny about him. Yeah. But wait a minute. Boy, the old devil could come a-trotting up there, you know, and he could say, Okay, he fell dead right in front of one of my joints, and it all of them belong to the devil. Amen? I guarantee you, Christians have no business in the beer joints. Lest they go to witness and they'll allow to get killed before they get out. You better be prayed up when you go in. But the devil comes and reaches out his old bony fingers and says, Okay, he's on my property. I'm going to take him home with me. Oh, wait a minute. Holy Spirit comes up and says, Did you notice that seal there? The devil said, Yeah. said, That's my seal. That's my right of ownership, and I'd suggest you beat it. Before I tell Jesus on you. <laughs> you see, all you got to do to mention to the devil and get him on the run is just tell, tell Jesus. See? see, Jesus really had it. I mean, he had it out with him one day out in the world. You remember that? I mean, he hit him three times with a sword, and the devil said, I've had it. <laughs> I mean, that's all I want. And brother, you just put it down. There's not anybody in here can lick the devil unless you get Jesus to do the licking. I mean, he's the one. That's got the right. The battle's not ours, it's the Lord's, and the battle will be won if we let Him do the fighting. What else did He say? He said, Evermore, oh, Jesus said, I'm the bread. And then they said, verse 34, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. Give us this bread. Jesus said, Well, I am the bread. I'm right here, right in front of you now. And then, verse 36, But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. Isn't that something? Have you ever heard anybody say, well, sin's believing. Not spiritually, it's not. Charlie, you're going to have to believe before you can see spiritual things. That's what Jesus said. Now, the world said, if you let me see, I believe. Jesus said, if thou wouldst believe, thou can see the glory of God. And if you're one of these people that said, well, I'll tell you, if I ever see a miracle, I'll believe it. Well, you won't ever see one. Don't get excited about that. But i tell you what, if you're willing to say, if God says something, I'll believe it, more than likely you'll see a miracle. Sinner, are you here tonight? If you'll just be willing to say, if the Lord wants to save me, I'll believe him, then you'll be a miracle before this meeting goes. But I said unto you that you also, you seen me, but you didn't believe. Now here's this 37th verse. Brother, you can count here. All that the Father has given me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Now, brother, that to me is a staggering promise. That means everybody that comes to Jesus is going to get in. And, sinner, friend, if you're here tonight and you don't get in, it's because you didn't come. And Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will hear my voice, will open the door. I'll come in and shut with him. And he... With me. Now, Jesus didn't say, I sat down at the door. I sat down at the door. And if you happen to come to the door, no, sir. He said, I'm standing. Now, brother, when you stand, you're about ready to get in. And especially when you're knocking, it means you won't in and want not response. Isn't that right? Oh, I don't understand. Sinner friend, let me tell you something. You know the reason you haven't been saved? You've let the devil blind you. You're living one breath out of hell tonight. That's all. You're living one little kick of a heart out of hell right now. I mean, that's just exactly how close you are to hell right now. And brother, when you go there, you stay there forever. There's no way to get out. don't care what these modernists say. There's a hell and there's a heaven. Now then, let's go a little further. He said, if you come, I'm going to let you in. Verse 40, And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son, and believeth on him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up. At... The last day. Verse 42. And they said, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Well, I've got news for them. No, he's not the son of Joseph. He's the son of God. See, that's where they're having all the trouble right there. You see, that's the reason they couldn't. They they saw him perform miracles. They didn't believe him. You know why? They did not believe in the virgin birth. They did not recognize Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Therefore, they were not saved and never would be saved. And I was down here in Jacksonville, Florida one time, and the preacher said when I came out of the ministerial alliance, they were fifty-fifty divided on the issues. Of the I said, what was the issue? said, the virgin birth. Now, if there's a hundred preachers, and 50 of them believe in the virgin birth and the divinity of Christ, and 50 do not believe the virgin birth, there'll be 50 of them going to hell and 50 of them going to heaven. Amen. The Bible said, if a man comes to you, and John said this, and bring not this doctrine, don't you even open the door or bid him God speak when he leaves. I seen these little old religious book vendors don't ever get that far with me. One way to recognize a, a false religion is that they'll have more than one book. Now, if they'll come up with just one book and and let it be the King James Version, then I'll get with them. We'll have a good... Well, when they come up and they say, Now, I want to show you on page 473. I said, No, turn in your Bible and show me where it is. No, but this gives light to the Bible. I said, Piddle! The Bible gives light to that thing. Makes me about half mad, preacher. Man, I tell you, Well, this is going to give light to the Word of God. Can you imagine that? Huh? Reminds me of some of you folks uh, running out here with one of these little uh gopher matches and said, In the middle of the day, I want to add light to the sun. <laughs> I want to help light up the universe with my the sun shining and full of why, what are you talking about? Well, this, this book adds beauty to the word of God. It does. Why, it reminds me of some little old ignoramus getting him a little old uh, goose feather and sticking it in barn paint and trying to add beauty to a sunset. What are you talking about? Poor old dumb people! Why, listen, the Bible doesn't need any added beauty. It doesn't need added light. It is the light. There is no other light than the Word of God. This makes me sick of heart. When I think of the way people treat the Word of God, no wonder you're in trouble. No wonder you're scared. No wonder you've got ulcers. No wonder you're nervous. No wonder you can't sleep at night. No wonder you're sick all the time. No wonder you're nervous, neurotic. No wonder you can't get along with anybody. You're not right with this book yet. This is heaven's drugstore for earth's maladies. I wish you knew what I was talking about. Brother, this old book will solve all your problems. Answer all your big old silly questions. Straighten out your home. Save all your children. And make the family circle to be unbroken in the sky. God helps. to see what I'm talking about? The bread of life. Well, there's just many other things in this chapter, we're going on. He said, you know, your fathers ate manna, but they died. They died. Verse 50, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I say, I'm not going to die. I mentioned a while ago falling dead here in the pulpit. I wouldn't be very dead. Huh? I mean, I, what I do is just be going through uh, just a little underpass the glory. I mean, there's no way to kill a Christian. You've been hearing Brother Bob Bolden on the radio? He being dead yet speaking. Why, I received letters, been soaked in tears, said Brother Olaf. I saw and heard him again. Oh, that message, I heard him. Preachers wrote me and said, I drove down the road listening, blinded with my own tears, as I listened to that little old Tennessee preacher boy. She told about Jesus and got so excited about the Lord. Oh, listen. Verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Verse 58, this is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. This ought to take the fear out of God's children. You're not going to die. There's no way to kill a Christian. Now notice verse sixty three, and this got a connection in my soul today that I haven't seen. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. Now then get it. Jesus said the flesh profiteth nothing, no thing. There's no, there's no prophet in the flesh. And he said, the words that I speak unto you, they're spirit and they're life. Do so you need life tonight? you need a new spirit tonight? Caleb had, was a man of another spirit. But notice, verse 67 now, Jesus got through preaching and talking and telling these wonderful things. And you know what happened? After they got their stomachs full, they did just like a lot of people at the Wednesday night supper in the church. They either went away or went to sleep while the preacher brought a dissertation, or they had a business meeting. Many times that worked just about like that. When Jesus got through feeding all of them and talked, and he really separated I mean, he brought the message, then they went away. You know what Jesus said? Will you also go away? And the one question I wanted to raise in the message as I close it tonight is this. What makes so many people go away from Jesus? Why tonight are there so few people in this city of a million souls that love Jesus and follow Jesus? Why are there so many nominal church members? Why are revivals just about faded out? Evangelistic fires, nothing but cold ashes on the altars of the churches today. Why is it that we have no great mass meetings? I'm talking about great old-fashioned sin, hating. I mean hell robbing. I mean dog frightening, new scaring, window rattling revivals. And why don't we have any more? i tell you why. The people have gone away from the Word of God. They don't love the Word of God. But you know what's refreshing to me, and it makes me know that if if this kind of gospel that we preach would fill this house every night, and people drive across this busy, crowded city every night, and if this gospel would make y'all as sweet and as clean and as fine as y'all are, and if it do that for you, it'd do it for the whole world, and it brings bring a screaming to that awful plague of war in Vietnam and it solved the problem for the communists and for everything that we've faced that's out of shelter and if this thing would solve and heal and save people like Bill Henderson and Mike Hagey and Ma Danny and many, many others. Here's a letter that came today and said, Brother Olaf, years ago, years ago, there was a man that went to the city and uh, a lot of times we don't know how we came down. But he said, you know, this man came back home and really started living for the Lord and practiced what you gave him, and now then he's back with his wife and his children and doing a marvelous job of bringing up a Christian family. Amen, Now, if if Jesus would do that for that man, he'd do it for anybody in this building. He'd do it for you. He said, will you also go away? Now then, here's the connection I got today. Jesus has just said, the words that I speak unto thee are spirit and their life. Alright, now then, is what you want spirit and life? If it is, you'll have to stay with Jesus. Now then, what was the answer? Simon Peter spoke up and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and that's all we're interested in. That's what we want. If what you say is right and will bring light and will bring spirit, then for me, let the rest of them go back. I'm going with Jesus. I'm going with Jesus. I'll just cast my lot with him. And even though Simon Peter, we are told, was crucified with his head down at his own request. I do not know, but I imagine it could be so because he said, I'm just not worthy to be crucified like my master. I feel like That ought to have an old unworthy head down as close to the dirt and dust as I could get it. And last night, last night, my soul was blessed when I thought of the very things that Jesus hated the most. He had to suffer and had to go through. Jesus hated sickness, and yet the Bible said he bore our sicknesses. He never had a sickness in his life. He never had a disease in his life. Tomorrow afternoon I'll tell you why. I, I mean, on the human side, I'll tell you why. Simple, it's in the Word of God. Oh, we get used to living with a bunch of junk, but it doesn't please God. Jesus hated disease. He couldn't stand it. i tell you something else. He hated death. Oh, death. To me, death, is a, it never was in the will of God. God never did plan for a man to die. The devil came along and brought death. Disobedience brought death. Sin brought death. And Jesus never did preach a funeral, and you know it. He broke up every funeral he ever met in the middle of the world. He hated death. He could take a little boy and said, son, get out of that casket. He'd walk in the cemetery and say, Lazarus, it's getting up time. Come on, now." Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.